The Mets struggle again in Pittsburgh, but they do get up the schneid and at least get one win in there. A much, much needed win before a big time Subway Series matchup coming up with the Yankees on Tuesday night, where we'll be having our post game show at Ebbs, which you should come by for. But Figgy, again, no Jake Brown today, but I think you got a special guest with us, huh? That's right. I bring out the big guns with me, Mark Malusis from the Sports Nation Nightly Show, and of course, the sportscaster at Pix11 uh, will be joining us today uh, to talk. Mets and try to break down and make some sense of all the craziness that's going on. One of the things that we will get into, of course, is not only has this series already gone by and they've only won one game, but using the Yankee series as a springboard for the rest of the season could be instrumental. And the team had a players only meeting. Let's hope that they uh, are ready to push all the right buttons here in the next series. So much more to talk about coming up next with Figgy, Moose, and you on the Amazing But True podcast from the New York Post. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York, folks. It's out of here. We got you. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I know Jake's not here, so you missed that big, big welcome by him. And if you heard Thursday's show, I don't even know if he gave a welcome. He gave us everything else but the welcome. It's Nelson Figueroa uh, alongside my co-host over at Sports Nation Nightly on WPIX. I say I keep saying WPIX. It's Pix Eleven. Uh, I'm joined today by Mark Malusis. He's going to be helping me try to break down this recent series with the Pittsburgh Pirates and the state of events in Mets land. And of course, previewing the Subway series coming up. I know you're all excited, (laughs) but we got to talk about it anyway. So, um, of course, uh, check us out on Twitter, social media, uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook. We've got everything everywhere. YouTube channel where you're going to see the video of this later on. Of course, um, subscribe, like, follow, comment. Uh, we read the comments. Jake cries himself to sleep some nights, so it's all good. Uh, Moose, say hello to the fans. What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. What's How you doing, Figgy? All right? A little bit better than the Mets. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not hard to be a little bit better than the Mets. I think the rest of the National League East is doing a little bit better than the Mets as well. So, yeah, no, man, I'm doing very, very well. Another busy weekend, of course, uh, after a busy week of doing the show. Uh, with you and you know it's uh we've done a month and they said it couldn't be done 
Yeah, a month on Pix Eleven, New uh, you know, show every single night in New York. First time that's ever been done. You and I doing it, and we go back. Obviously, we've known each other a while to our days over at SNY, and uh, and now to be on and being able to talk sports, New York sports, for um, you know, on a, a daily basis, debate some topics, have a little bit of fun. It's it's absolutely great. Yeah, that that's one of the best things is that you know we we have that history, and at the same time we have a nice chemistry of having thick skin with New Yorkers, you know, we talk it, we dish it, we take it. it it's it's a great, great, I think it's a great um, uh, pairing that works. And uh, I've been so excited about it. I go home every day with a smile on my face. Like we just did another show and I can't wait to show you what happened because there's always something that happens in every show that That's I, great. you know, we don't, I think you hit upon, we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we do have opinions and strong opinions on certain things. We come from different experiences within the industry. Obviously you've been a former player and you're a broadcaster. You, you know, you're all over the, place here obviously picks and an mlb network and have done a number of things over the course of your career so have i so and, and i think we're true genuine never say anything that we don't that we don't believe um and we're not going to give you kind of the repetitive just kind of talking points when it comes to certain things we come from different life experiences and bring that to the show as well yeah and, and i think that's what the fans you know they, they come back for and they they, they love to hear those opinions and we're able to back it up. You know, that's one thing I was told and I was very gracious of uh, my opportunity at over at SNY is if you watched me there, you knew I was a man of uh, very strong opinions. And as long as I could back it up and I wasn't bashing someone just to bash them. And that, that as a former professional athlete, you know, I've been on the other side of that. I've been bashed by people who have never played the game or have never, you know, spent a day in my shoes. So I never wanted to be that guy and I don't have to be. And I love, uh, you know, working alongside you and every day we get to, uh, yeah, I get have, to be that guy. <laughs> I know, now you get to be that guy right on the air too. That's the best. Right, part. Exactly. <laughs> so, speaking of bashing, uh, you know, we, we, uh, Jake went off and ranted about the Mets over the past, um, uh, you know, week and, and everything that happened with the six game losing streak, uh, get being swept, uh, by the Braves and, and everything just going wrong. Um, everything that could go wrong did go wrong for the New York Mets and, so now we sit here and trying to regroup and refocus and you get the Pittsburgh Pirates next, the central division leading Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, the series went probably as expected, right? No, uh, no, Pete Alonzo. He's gone on the IL with the uh, damaged ligaments in the wrist, uh, the bruising. You know, we've got to wait and see when that goes down in a couple of weeks just to see if he could start doing some baseball activity. Um, a huge loss for the Mets in the middle of that lineup. Um, you know, uh, Luis Guillorme comes back up, um, a guy they desperately need to have to kind of just give some of those middle infielders some uh, a day off here and there. Um, plus, when you look at the the matchups with the Mets, we're still hoping that starting pitching can save the day. And of the three game series, you know, you take a look. It was only one guy that was able to step up, and that was Kodai Senga, who has really been a blessing in disguise, um, you know, since the Mets have signed him. I know there's, you know, talk about his schedule of needing extra days rest or whatnot, but listen, uh, you know, nine times out of ten so far, he's been able to deliver and go out there and, and give you a quality start and keep you in a ball game and you feel good when you hear the name Kodai Senga starting. Yeah, Senga was great. I mean, I, I don't – I. Come away from this uh, pirate series, and yeah, I you didn't get a quality start on 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 Friday night. It was more of an embarrassing performance. Then you got the players only meeting that Buck had with the team after that performance. I think they had three errors in the field. Marte not diving for a ball down the right field line. McGill was terrible. Senga stepped up. They win the game, middle game of the series five one, and then 
you know, you get to Sunday, Carrasco was okay. You didn't go deep into the game. They just didn't score runs. I mean, they had three hits as a team. Alvarez was in the DH. So now Met fans don't have to scream and holler about Alvarez being in the DH spot. He was on Sunday. He took an over and went over four. Alonzo not being a part of this lineup now for conceivably for the next month. And then you have to look at it is what is that wrist like and how long does it take him to be able to get into a groove following a wrist injury? Because we've seen it with hitters before, Figgy, about you have any kind of an injury to the wrist, how important that is um, for, you know, for hitters. And then where is he in terms of when he returns, how quickly does he get back up to speed? Because he was on pace there. You and I were having the debate on channel 11 where uh, I thought he was going to lead the uh, major league baseball in home runs this year. I no longer think that now with that injury, but it was another lost weekend. I mean, it really it is. And and now you move forward to where it's a team that's four games under the 500 mark and they're not playing particularly great brand of baseball. You know, you have the the interview that, you know, was in the New York Post by Joel Sherman that I had with Steve Cohen. You have Buck, who rhetoric down in Atlanta was terrible. He had players only meeting. So and now you lose two or three to a pirate team that surprised everybody throughout baseball about the way that they I mean, the Pirates have been a better baseball team this year than the Mets. Think about that as we're sitting here middle part of the month of June. Yeah, and and uh, when you go through the names on that roster, and we love to do that, right? We talked about Tampa Bay and how well they were doing. You're like, oh, well, they're not really playing anybody. Their schedule's soft, blah, blah, blah. But then you look at the names on the schedule, uh, on that roster, and you couldn't guess, you know, the nine hitters. You couldn't guess the five starters. You don't even know who's closing for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And it's the same thing. Good baseball is, is, is coming back and, and playing baseball at a level where – um, you know, not trying to strike out every time or swinging for the fences. You're seeing a lot more of that from these teams that are the lesser thans who are now, you know, still leading their division. You know, we're all the way into June. So I think uh, that that's something that is is a good thing for baseball to have the Pirates in the conversation because that central is weak, a very weak division um and everybody keeps waiting on the cardinals i mean they do you, and you know and and you know it's only a matter of, a matter of time they've just have so many in-house problems of you know they went out and got a catcher that they didn't want to catch uh, a month into the season uh, how do you do that how do you get Contreras and then say well we're not going to let him catch anymore we're just going to let him be a dh and maybe move him around a little third a little first uh, no i mean this is one of those things where I think, you know, all of baseball, there's storylines all over baseball, but the storyline, the biggest storyline for the New York Mets is, of course, is that $350 million payroll, and you've got nothing to really show for it except a, you know, subpar team giving uh, subpar efforts mostly. And, you know, even like today's game, today's game was a two to one ball game where, you know, you would take that and say, hey, it's a you know last day of the road trip. You feel really good that they battled. It was two one game. It was close. But was it really close? Like, what, did the Mets even scratch Keller throughout this game? It was McNeil hits the one home run and he finally got an extra base hit after 44 games without an extra base hit, which is mind numbing for a guy who swings the bat as well as he does coming off a silver slugger award last year. And now you keep looking and you're saying, well, now we can't this offense can't find a way to muster some runs. Mark Canna did a great job, uh, you know, on Saturday. Uh, continues to, you know, have some production. And then you decide you're going to have Marte off and you let Canna play right field, you know, which is a good move. I like the fact that you don't say, okay, Canna had a good game, but, you know, we're going to go with the metrics and sit him for the day and let Marte still play. So a little bit of maybe feel there by 
by Buck, uh, you know, Canada have a, a, a great game, but I still like the fact that you're going with the hot hand and you have to do that at this point because it's all hands on deck. Really, you, you, there's no one that, um, you know, you're relying on the big names to do something. Your biggest name is down, of course. Lindora still looks lost from the left side. Um, and, and it's, uh, you know, is it it's time, I think, it's big time to start reevaluating what needs to be done with this team. Well, yeah, I, I think we're there at that stage. I mean, they have an off day Monday and then they they begin a series, you know, at home against the Yankees, who, you know, would love to to browbeat them Tuesday and Wednesday night. But, yeah, the, the Mets problems, they run really, really deep when you look at it. So the best player, position player on your team is not going to be there for the next three to four weeks. Oh, yes, you're four games under 500. You're not getting quality starts from guys like Scherzer or Verlander consistently, right? Senga's a guy that needs considerable time. He's not going to pitch all that well on normal rest in Major League Baseball, given his experience coming over from Japan. Then you look at Cookie Carrasco. What is he truly right now? Is he number four, right? You look at a bullpen that's being taxed day in and day out, and then you you don't have Edwin Diaz. And then you get to the other position players. You've had a downturn in Canada, downturn in Starlin Marte. I like Brandon Nimmo as a player. You mentioned Francisco Lindor, who is not being given a day off. Buck's talking about the WBC and the fact that he ramped it up. That's why he's struggling. He's hitting 216 on the year. Some of the youngsters, Alvarez has been a stud offensively. Vientos has not. Brett Beatty has gone through some struggles here too. Jeff McNeil is not hitting over 300. So he's had a drop off in power, right? When he's trying to hit for power, the average dropped. Now the average dropped then the power is still not there. So that's the problem you have. And then you have some role players on this team, like a, a Daniel Vogelback that Met fans just love to destroy night in, night out. Like there are, there are, pervasive issues with this team that are problems and concerns that I don't know are easily rectifiable. It might be just the roster that was poorly constructed. Um, given the fact that it was built around starting pitching, uh, you haven't had to contend at all this entire year. And the two guys that you needed to be there um, and pitch really, really well in Scherzer and Verlander, they've been anything but. And then you get to some of the, you know, the, some of the issues with Buck in the dugout. So you mentioned about, yeah, they're four games under. It's been go time here for a while. They they just lost a series to the Pirates. They had a seven game losing streak going into the finally winning a game. They've they've gone out there. They've lost what eight of their last nine games. Uh, they're playing really bad baseball. I mean, that's really the problem. Then you get into the 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 question of, okay, was last year a mirage and this is really what the team is? Is it a case of not having an understanding? Because you could talk about back of the baseball card all you want, Figgy, but this team, there's they're old in certain spots and some guys look like they age really, really quickly overnight. Yeah, that that's one of the big things, right? So those guys that you you were pleasant surprises last year, like the Mark Cannas of the world, uh, Starling Marte. Uh, again, we were saying they have no chance to move on into the playoffs without a Starling Marte, and, and he even tried to play with the still hurt finger. But you could tell the difference with the team with just someone like him being out because of his speed, because of his defense, because of the way you know he could hit the ball, he could hit, hit your home run, he could hit your line drive to right center field. This team used to do a lot of small ball, and they were very good at doing it. They were very good at hitting with runners in scoring position. They were very good at getting a guy over so that the next guy can drive him in somehow. But we want, we're not seeing even close to that amount of, of I would say, 
contact and execution. It's a level of execution that has definitely fallen off. And so you always look around and say, well, what is it? Is it the coaching staff? Because the coaches are going to be the ones to go. It's not going to be the players, right? So you got to do something to shake it up. Remember Chili Davis got fired. And I said, I said, one of the things that's the, the hardest job to have in baseball is a hitting coach. How do you get blamed for a major league hitter not hitting when you're the hitting coach? All you're doing is literally feeding him BP and working on his swing and getting him to. But let me ask you this, but isn't it, and I've never been in the dugout like that. Right? So I, but, and you have, so, but isn't that a case of more of a style that you want your hitters and approach up at the plate than anything else? That that's one of the things that was trying to be evaluated, but if, there is nobody that's sitting there as a major league hitting coach and saying, you know what I like? I like big swings and misses. I like going for the fences every single time you have your guys in the middle of that lineup and guys that profile as home run hitters. That's maybe what you go with. And you eat those, you eat those strikeouts. You're okay with those strikeouts. As long as they can put up the production, the 30 home run type hitters, but baseball didn't used to be this way where you didn't care about the strikeout. You wanted, uh, uh, you know, one of the uh, true three uh, metrics. You wanted either a strikeout, a walk or a home run or, you know, multi or extra base hit something with power, something to the gaps. They it, it, It's lost the feel. And what happened this year was, remember, they got rid of the shift. So getting rid of the shift should have led to the, the Mets uh, approach last contact. year. Yeah, their approach last year of making more contact and now no shift should work even better. But it's not. It's just you're not seeing that level of consistency and you don't have that feeling when these guys come up that, oh, man, this is a guy who I know knows what he's doing with the bat, knows how to put the ball to the right side of the field, get this guy over, the next guy to get him in, and they're not getting it done. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Take a day to hopefully uh, take a breath and get ready after to get after another good club. Talking about like finally making some moves. Well, this bullpen we said was awful. And Steven Nagosek, DFA, Tommy Hunter, DFA. You know, like I said, Guillaume came back up, uh, came back up. Tomas Nito has been outrighted, the AAA. So they're making some moves, but this is one of those things where it's not like a video game. Like you can't go and scrap it all and go pick up somebody else's bullpen or get the best guy from each bullpen that's out there and think it's going to solve what your ills. You can't do that. So roster construction, and we had this talk uh, you know, on our show, that part to blame when you look at the front office is, yeah, they spent money, but did they put themselves in a position to be successful? It was $43 million on a starting pitcher where that is almost that is more than the Pittsburgh Pirates payroll, right? And you don't have the bullpen pieces in line. Um, and the names that we heard leaving camp were not whole household names, were not guys that you had confidence in. When you had the back end being Adovino, Robertson, and Diaz, you felt comfortable about that seven days and ninth. But it was still, you didn't have a bridge guy. There wasn't a for sure bridge guy. And you were talking about if everybody was healthy and Verlander and, you know, Quintana started in in the big leagues with the team. Then you're talking about either Peterson or McGill would have been that long man. 
And that was what they did. Instead of signing back Trevor Williams, Trevor Williams signed a, a, a nice contract for himself and he left. But you see how that bridge guy is such an important piece that can get you to those instead of having to use guys like Robertson in the seventh inning when you need a stopper and then you have no closer at the back end. You got to hope Adovino is able to get those three out. So there's so much to this roster construction that seems like it's like a game of Jenga, right? You move one piece and everything can come tumbling down. And when the starter doesn't give you at least five, they're screwed for the next three well, what games. Do you, I mean, but the question is now, what what exactly you do to rectify it? I mean, you you don't you don't know exactly what you're going to get from Scherzer and Verlander. You've got Senga, you've got Carrasco. So then, how do you rectify it all? You're you're not wrong. Quality bullpen arms teams aren't just going to hand them to you, right? So this has got to be something that. Yeah, you need to address. You thought they were going to have to address it anyway uh, because of the loss of Edwin Diaz in the WBC. But what does Billy Epler do now? And and the other thing is, does this team deserve or have they earned the right to be strengthened? And, and they play, do you look at this team and think, yeah, you know what? We're a player or or we're a couple relievers away from really figuring it out. I mean, they 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 just lost the series on the road to the Pirates. They they lost game one of that series 14-7. Now, I know Pittsburgh has been a surprise team. They got swept in Atlanta. Uh, you know, they got swept by the Blue Jays. You know, yeah. and, and all we hear about is, well, oh, the games are close. Well, or the other team's playing, or they have to. Yeah, yeah. they're big leaguers too. Well, like, yeah. All this nonsense that you get at times when, you, when you're thinking, well, Steve Cohen spent $354 million and the Met fan wants like, oh, people will get fired, fire Billy Epler, fire Buck Showalter, everything. <laughs> Here's my thing. Like we were talking about the approach up at the plate, which I don't think anything is going to happen. And you heard that, you know, I, I think, I think Steve Cohen is going to let this season plays out. If he needs to make changes, I think he'll make them after this season, because I don't know if firing Buck Showalter, so to speak, and I don't think he deserves to get fired, even though I totally disagree with his rhetoric last week in Atlanta, I don't know exactly what's that going to do for this team, but in the here and now, um, you look at you look at the Mets here moving forward. Is you know they could be sitting there, you know, come come Thursday, six games under five hundred. I mean that they're they're not trending in the right direction; they're trending in the wrong direction. And thinking this is a really important time because over the course of the next you know three and a half weeks, they're going to have to win baseball games without their best player, and that being Pete Alonso. Yeah, so I think one of the things that you have to try and do is, is uh, if you look down at AAA at who's available, right? You you're going to need that length in the bullpen. So a guy that can give you multiple innings. So the Lucases of the world are guys like you have to have confidence in that he can be a bridge guy. He was a starter, and he had two of his first three starts. He pitched really well. Had the Mets' first seven inning outing of the season, you know, all the way uh, back in May, mid-May when he came up. He's a guy that I would kind of lean on to say, hey, I, uh, if he can come back and give me two, three innings every three days, then we can do that. But remember, he's coming off of surgery. So I don't think that's that's even an option that they're willing to entertain uh, or if he's even willing to entertain it. Um, but I think I would rather be that guy in the big league level than sitting in AAA, being a starter and just you know pitching once a week. This team needs to get a couple of guys like that, that they can – kind of go to the negosex of the world are gone, Tommy Hunter. So you need two guys to replace those guys that can give you multiple innings. We can't have one run, one inning guys. And the bad part is, is you know what? They they brought up the kid. Uh, the first game, uh, this uh, Muckenhern, he comes up and first game, of course, is a blowout. And all I'm sitting there is going, man, I know this. <laughs> I've seen this all too many times. I'm going to get to pitch three innings today, and I know I'm going down after the game because they got to make room for somebody else. And, of course, it happens. That's something that's really 
is, is you don't think about it. I think when you're constructing a roster of when you look at the high end, you're looking at the back end, but you're not looking at that middle relief and you think you have arms. And I don't know if, if some a team like Tampa Bay gives you false hope about it, where they are just churning out these relievers every year based on metrics you know what I mean? It's yeah, but, nobody, but everyone's chasing Tampa Bay, right? I mean, I mean, I mean, the Yankees have been chasing them. The Yankees want to tell you how smart they are. I mean, pat themselves on the back. They've been chasing Tampa and, and been chasing that ghost for like the last seven, eight years. So, uh, yeah, Tampa, I can, I don't know what Tampa's doing down there. I really don't. Like, it's amazing. It's amazing. They, yeah. They're able to pinpoint prospects from other organizations that aren't well thought of. They're able to make trades. Anytime Tampa's on the phone calling you, wanting to get players from your organization, I think you have to reassess what that pl- or how you as an organization feel about that player because you might be missing something if Tampa, not saying that they're 100 for 100 and they, they miss on guys, but but they have, they've had some all-time great trades. But I can't tell you, like – I think you can – I think that you got to – like Cohen's talked about developing an organization top to bottom where it's almost like a feeder system where, you know, you have a healthy organization, you know, from rookie ball, single A, double A, triple A, up to the major leagues. You're consistently developing. Your scouting department's on point. You got to understand where this organization was starting from and where Cohen's taken over. Now, he's addressed some needs in free agency and spent a lot of money. You mentioned it. The payroll is over $350 million with that come expectations to to not just be a relevant team, but to potentially be a World Series team. It got me thinking, Figgy, like, here's, you look at this, and I'm, this season's not over, nor am I going to hop on your podcast and the one that you do with Jake and tell you that the Mets season's over. I, I think they, they've got to show me something this year they haven't shown me just yet. But also it looks at last year. Like, last year was such a missed opportunity at the MLB trade deadline to go out and be super aggressive uh, and they decided not to and kind of worked on the edges of this team. You know, the Tyler Naquins of the world, the Daniel Vogelbacks, Darren Ruff, like those kind of guys and not going for the jugular, a team that won 101 games, ended up, you know, gagging away the National League East, but still had an opportunity to to really do something special. I know at the end Scherzer and DeGrom weren't 100% healthy, but the point still remains is, you know, sometimes when, you know, you look at teams, they'll say, oh, you know what, we'll just roll it back and we'll be exactly where we are. We'll replace DeGrom with Verlander. We'll do this. And I know Diaz's WBC injury changed a lot. Sometimes it just doesn't work that way because now there's there's other issues on this team that I don't know if, if are really that all that easily to all that easily fixable. Like I want to, I, I need to see the Starlin Marte from last year. Like Mark Can is a nice role piece. He just is. I'm not leaning on him heavily. If I'm the Mets, Nimmo's really good. Can be McNeil. Obviously, has been an All Star. Alonzo out. Like I think it's it's wonderful to now see what Francisco Alvarez is doing. I think he's going to be an absolute stud for the Mets to years to come. Uh, and providing the offense from that catcher's position can obviously DH as well. I need to see more from Francisco Lindor. I really do. Can't hear about the defense, Figgy. Like, he's got to be – the, this team's got to show a little bit of life. Like, I agree with you about addressing the relievers, um, and they, they're they going to need some relievers. They're going to also need a little bit more than just that to think that all of a sudden these issues are going to be rectified for the, uh, for the, uh, for the Mets. Yeah, but I, I think one of the things where Buck Schollwalter was talking about the series in, in Atlanta and, and still talking about – maybe talking about this offense, you know, you're seeing them put up – 
runs, even the 14-7 game, right? Even though the, they mailed it in, they were way down 14-02, whatever it is early. They score seven runs. Seven runs are still seven runs. Uh, you look at five runs the next game. So that's 12 runs they scored in two games. I mean, a week ago, we would have been screaming, oh, my God, the offense is figuring it out. Then they come out today and they lay an egg and they only get the one run on three hits. So it, it's it's such a, like, it it just falls off so quick. Right, but let me ask you, are those, like, it's almost, well, you played, I did. Let me ask you this, though. Like, Mop-up runs? No, is every home run one in the same? Like, if, if I'm if I'm Pete Alonzo and I hit a home run down 10-1 in the ninth inning to make it a 10-2 game, like, I know they all count in the same, but then I hit a home run to have a walk-off victory in the bottom of the 10th inning. Of course. It, it, so, right, so they score seven runs on Friday night. They were down the game 14-2, right? They scored five, you had the Pirates in the top of the ninth inning, and they were dropping fly balls in the outfield, right? So, I mean, like, they're putting you know, in like, like their, fifth, their 15th pitcher. Yeah, I got right, so, like, Exactly right. So I don't know if I necessarily look at that. I, I don't disagree. Sometimes, you know, you're starving, you're desperate for runs. I don't know, but it, it I don't know if every run is one and the same. Like it was, you know, it was a shame what happened in Atlanta. The Mets did not deserve to get swept against the Braves. Like they played well enough. I'm not saying they played well enough. Three three run leads at least, and then the last day, three times they had a three run lead in that same game, and to lose all three is. is but that's un- the, that's where you you start to get frustrated as a fan, and and you hear it, uh, you know, I hear it. We we talk about it a lot is that um, is does this team have the earmarks of going on any kind of a run, or does this team have just the earmarks of being you know an average or or bad baseball team? That that's. That's not for me to I'm just telling you what they've looked like up until this point in time. And and that's where, you know, Billy Epler and Steve Cohen have got to make a decision. That's where I really believe the team's got to show something. Like they they or they they've got to show a little bit of sustained life. That's why I thought, you know, Buck telling his team, like, guys, you gotta dig down. Like I've never been a part of a player only meeting, not on that level, Figgy. I'm sure you have over the course of your career and getting called out, but I mean, it was time for Buck to do something. Like, he can only protect his players so long, which I understand that's what the modern manager is going to go out there and do. But the messaging behind the scenes had to be a little bit different. Like, guys, you're professional athletes. Like, you're getting paid a lot of money. You have to you have to dig here because we need to start to find a way to win some baseball games. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. The biggest thing is find a way. It's not, you know, put more pressure on them or what's expected of them. They know what's expected of them. They, you know, these guys, I don't think there's really many ballplayers. I mean, I have played with a few that, oh, they got their big contract and it didn't matter to them one way or the other because they were just so used to losing. I've played with some really, um, you know, some teams that were in some losing streaks for years and years. And even the Pirates, when I played with the Pirates, they were the lovable losers of the league. They, in fact, had a bobblehead day of uh, it was (laughs) – it was Charlie Brown in the yellow and black because they were just used to losing. You know, they hadn't had a, a winning season in 10 years. But the fans still came out every game and the fans still supported this team because even though, you know, each victory was a little victory in itself. Uh, you know, I, I went to a game and they won. You know, maybe I, I was the reason why they won. So fans are really cool that way. Right now, what you're looking at is just I, 
there's no one way to fix it. There's no one person that, that can, can save them from this. You know, you tried to bring up the youth movement. Um, Did they, you know, put them all in there and say, we're going to ride with those guys. Not necessarily. Right. Beatty was in and out of the lineup early on. Alvarez was only thrusted into the lineup because of injuries uh, and an uh, injury to Nito, you know, made him the everyday catcher. And then, you know, now that you see Navarre uh, is back, now you, he's taking a back seat to catching so much. So he might lose a little bit of his edge, but he keeps swinging the bat um, and, and he needs to because this team needs that kind of that kind of power um, in the middle of that lineup. Uh, so when when you talk about Vientos, you know, like this kid still he goes down to triple A and he's a 25 home run hitter, you know, last three seasons and he looks good. Then he comes up here and he's just not getting the reps to where things start to slow down and things start to be a little bit more like I can do this. I've done this. And it, every swing feels like, man, this might be the last swing I take. I might have to go down. So there's so many like little things that are just adding up and they're coming to a head that you have that meeting. And the manager sits up there and says, you know, if anybody has any ideas, give me something. Cause Buck has been in the game longer than all those guys put together. Um, and, you know, he's probably seen all the different uh, you know, all the different var- varieties of, of winning streaks, losing streaks, things that are going right or going wrong. I mean, he's been a bridesmaid, what, three times where he leaves the organization and the next year they win the World Series. So he can tell you about the level of frustrations of, of, about a team and how quickly it can turn around. But at the same time, you can't lean on what you did last year. You can't. There's no. It, it, it's the same team, but it's not. You know what I mean? No, you you can't. You definitely can't lean on what you went on a year ago, and and I think that's what the most frustrating thing is watching this team this year. Is you know, think I came into the year, I thought the Mets were legit World Series contenders. Like I, I really did. Verlander coming off the the Cy Young performance a year ago with the with the Houston Astros, I thought Scherzer. It was more health than anything else uh, last year. Even he said, you know, uh, going to do a full reset in the off season. And honestly, I thought Lindor had gotten over the New York issue. Uh, Alonzo's an absolute stud. I like Brandon Nimmo as an offensive player. You know, I, I thought Cannon and Marte could at least keep it going for yet another year. Um, and then mix in some of the younger players, but he could also mix in some of those younger players and those assets to, you know, to maybe strengthen the team and use a couple of those guys to go get a veteran player. So I, I didn't expect the team to be sitting here at this stage. Now I, I agree with you about Buck. I, I don't, I understand why he's getting the heat that he's getting. I don't I don't think it's necessarily his fault, but like you know this better than anybody, you can't fire all the players. So there comes a point where, you know, you say, All right, well, that that's fine. And and I don't think he's gonna lose his job, nor does he deserve to lose his job at this stage. The question I would have is what does it look like offensively without Alonzo? Like who are the guys that are gonna be need to be able to who are the guys over the next three and a half weeks that have to step up and provide offense for this team to get themselves enough W's to keep themselves in the race in the national league. Because, you know, that's, that's where, that's where I'm looking at right now, because that is a, because Pete Alonso, when, when he was hot, he was basically carrying this team offensively. On yeah. Top. All by himself. So it, it comes out to these four guys and then we'll move forward and talk about the subway series. Um, these four guys, right. It comes down to Lindor it comes down to McNeil, it comes down to Nimmo, and it comes down to Marte. To me, those are the four guys that have to 
that that have to really step up and and whatever you do to reset yourself whatever you say to okay the season starts now or whatever it is that you know let's, let's take it from here and the next 10 games and see you know if i can put my batting average where i want it to be for the next 10 games and you do it that way you got to sometimes start small because when you think big and you look at what you've done already and all the work you put in and it's only a 216 batting average it's overwhelming it's daunting you know it's like you you you're swimming upstream the whole time so I think there just needs to be a reset, a mental reset, and go from there. And let's see if they can get it done versus the Yankees. So Tuesday, Wednesday, we've got the Subway Series coming up. Uh, first off, of course, the live Amazing But True podcast. After Wednesday's game, uh, Subway Series game, it's me and Jake Brown. We're still trying to get a guest. I'm trying to finagle somebody to come over with us at Ebb's Brewing Company right next to City Field and Right Field Gate. Come hang out with us. We'll be giving away some uh, new Amazing But True T-shirts. Um, and anybody who's had a T-shirt before knows they're the softest, most comfortable T-shirts on the planet, and endorsed by one Donovan uh, by by one Donovan Mitchell. He actually writes to us and tells us we he needs more T-shirts because he loves that T-shirt so much. That's all. That's great. Yeah. That's so oh, done deal, my man. Done deal. So we are uh, gonna have a limited amount of those. Come if you want one, Moose. I got yours. Don't you worry. All right, so the Subway Series, it's already lost its luster for me. <laughs> We've, we're, without Judge and without Alonzo, the two guys that we kept saying are going to lead the world in home runs, they're both out. So now but we have the pitching matchups, right? This is about the pitching matchups that you'd want to see. So you got Scherzer Tuesday versus Severino and Verlander Wednesday versus Cole. Uh, I think, you know, that that's in itself makes it must-see TV, but you're looking at two offenses that without the middle of the lineup are struggling mightily to score just a few runs. Yeah, the offense, yeah, the Yankees. Uh, the Yankees have got their own set of issues as well. Um, but, yeah, I think it's taken a hit. I, I, I always think Yankees-Mets is, is always fun in this city uh, because of, of how passionate both fan bases are. Regardless of where your team is, there's some sort of meaning to it that is on the line. Uh, the fans get into it, and and that's the that's the most important thing. Like in the end, does it you know does it really necessarily mean your team's going to catapult to to winning something at the end of the season? No, not necessarily. But I think it's always fun. Now, is it the same? I I think they've done a nice job cutting it back to you know two games apiece in each respective park. I, I think we we're getting a little bit too much, but I remember the times where you had the, the true. Remember when they played the you know doubleheader one game game and one at the other park Bronx, and they were busting back and like those things were fantastic. I mean, it was just great. It it, it all kind of changed. I think when they when they met with everything on the line, like I, I think when they met in the World Series. Um, you know, where the Yankees were victorious and Joe Torrey will tell you to this day, like he, there was never more pressure to win a series than when he was taking on the Mets and he basically hated every second of it um, because of, of how much pressure was on that Yankee team to beat the Mets in that series. I think it all changed a little bit after that. The, obviously, this series is a little bit different. I mean, when you when you have the two faces of each respective team not being a part of it and Alonzo out for the Mets and Judge out for the Yankees, that that hurts because I, I think there's there's no doubt those guys are are right now the the two faces of both franchises. Yeah, you know, it, still they're gonna give it all they got, and and you know, you talk about bragging rights. It's four games on the course of the season, but at the same time, you want to defend home court. So City Field, City Field, you know, those fans are gonna want to 
see the Yankees lose in their ballpark. The Yankee fans are going to, you know, want to come out and and invade City Field and uh, see what a real ballpark is like. That's what I like to tell everybody. Look at Hearts, why are you disagreeing right now? Come on, tell me. Yankee fans on the whole will tell you they love City Field. I'm not going to disagree. The food at City Field is pretty top notch. I think the sight lines are a little bit nicer at City Field. It's a little smaller, but there's something a little more majestic about Yankee Stadium. It's just it's it's a big time feel for a ballpark. City Field just feels like a neighborhood ballpark, but I mean, nothing will be like the old Yankee Stadium and City Field is beyond beyond an improvement from Shea Stadium. So, hey, you leaving my dump alone. Exactly. You said it. You, you called it. A dump. <laughs> no, Subway Series is fun, man. And and I know, look, the Mets lucked out. You don't have Aaron Judge. So you don't have to face him. And, you know, who knows? John Carl Stanton could possibly pop a hamstring by then. So you won't have to face him either. Luis Severino hasn't looked great. Garrett Cole. Can be good, can be bad. You know, I personally think, and you know which way I lean team-wise here, but I feel like you're going to see the best of Scherzer and Verlander. I do. I feel like this, both guys... From your mouth to God's ears, bro. They're they're coming (laughs) off of rough games and, you know, big-time pressure. Now, I could just see the newspaper where it's going to be, you know, the Twin Towers. Verlander, Scherzer, Outdool, Cole, and Severino. Because Sevi, I I don't don't think Sevi is is, is truly healthy or he's worked up yet. And Cole could be fickle, but... I'm looking forward to it. It'll be good, and it'll be uh, we'll get some good banter in the stands, and I'm sure they'll uh, they'll be a fight or two, which is always exciting. But uh, <laughs> no, look, it, it's always exciting in the Subway Series, and I agree with Moose. I I, I like cutting it back by two games. It kind of makes it amps up the excitement a little more. So, oh, it also amps up ticket sales and prices. So they they love that part of it. So to Andrew's point, I mean, City Fields. I I do think City Fields by far a better stadium than, than Yankee Stadium. I do. I, I miss the old I miss the old ballpark in the Bronx. Yes, I, a, I agree. This, this is a Met podcast, but we could probably do like a a ten part series on the Yankees <laughs> and how they messed up the new stadium. And basically, they should have stuck with the old one and refurbished it or whatever. Whoever designed the new one, but City Field's great. It's fun. Like however way, and I'm not trying to downplay. Like I I love like Yankees Mets is is special. Plus, it's a long regular season it just adds a little extra special quality to uh a little regular season baseball when you get these two teams going at it and and now you have two teams you have a met team that's desperate you know and and maybe here's the other thing maybe the mets use this two games and play really well against the yankees as kind of a a launching point to them to to start playing a little bit better baseball maybe they need maybe that series shows you know back home after a rough road trip uh, maybe that's that's a launching point that starts Tuesday night. We'll find out. But they need quality starts. Yeah, yeah, they, they definitely need this is this is the time for these two guys to to step up in a major way. And it would be fantastic to read those in the New York Post headlines, of course. You are an ordained minister. I won't need one for yeah. a while because I'll be single forever at this rate. Listen, I have to thank you, Moose, for uh, filling in, not just filling in. I, I want you to Wally Pip. <laughs> Wally Pip, poor Jake right here. Where is, I, know- well, I asked you the other day at Pix, I go, where is, did he like go to like the edge of the earth? Like, where has Jake been? Like he, he's popping in to do a Met rant after they get embarrassed in Atlanta. But where exactly you're like, no, no, he's at a wedding. He's this, he's that, he's all over the place. This is what Jake does. Jake is uh, you know, he's he's young, he's single, he likes to mingle, and he, you know, <laughs> he disappears, he disappears every now and then. He has to use his frequent flyer mileage and he has to use his his uh, sick days. So he finds a way to 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 make do. But I want to thank I want to thank you for coming on with us. Um at Mark Malusis on Twitter. 
Um, we do the Sports Nation nightly show weeknights, every single weeknight at 7 p.m. Half hour show. We give you our point of view about what, what normally turns out to be in New York sports. But again, you got big games going on with hockey and, and basketball and even a little horse racing every now and then. Uh, you know, I won't brag or anything, but guess who won? Archangelo. Damn right, Archangelo won. But the big thing is, did you bet Archangelo? Moose, I've never bet a thing in my life. I'm not a gambler in any way, shape, or form. I'm not a slot, not even a slot machine, bro. I don't do anything of that nature. But what I did was, you know, did a little bit of research, and I love the name Archangelo. I thought it was awesome. Well, not so, only that, you know, but but Archangelo, I, I know, but set first female trainer ever to win uh, a triple crown and a triple crown race or the or the Belmont Stakes, Jenna Antonucci. So the son of Arrogate and Javier Castellano won the Derby aboard Mage, wins the Belmont aboard Archangelo. So you had it. I, I should have went. That's with, right. I, I bet Angels of Angel of Empire, <laughs> I think, finished fifth in the race. So yeah, yeah, you know. And I'm the one that watches the horse race. <laughs> the he watches, listen, he watches every day. Like every yes, day. Yes, I watch. There, I we're watch. Sitting, we're sitting there like preparing for the show, and you hear keyboards clicking away, and all of a sudden you hear, and down the stretch they come. <laughs> I'm like, what race is this? He's like, oh, it's just, it's Monday. <laughs> and he's loving it. Loving it. But the, thanks again to you, Moose. Uh, it, it's been a blast and uh, it continues to be a blast every day. I look forward to uh, going to work and, and smiling and uh, having a great time and maybe a, a little nitro cold brew afterwards. Oh, nitro cold brew is the best thing. I don't know what it is. It's like I had it the other day for the, like the first time in a long time because I need like I've got three kids and caffeine, my friend on a daily basis, like at four or five cups of coffee. So nitro cold brew is, is an amazing, amazing thing. Yeah. He was pumped up, but uh, so we'll wrap up here. Uh, the preview of our, of course, uh, subway series show live subway series show at ebbs following wednesday night's game um, please come out uh, in attendance uh, jake will be signing autographs taking pictures uh even pony rides i think um and jake is gonna oh maybe just a piggyback ride i guess but anyway uh thank you all for listening uh again i want to thank mark Belusis. um i want to thank andrew hartz and nick our new intern who's going to be there are you, you going to be there nick you coming in I'll, I will be there. I'll be there. Be, of course, he's going to be credentialed for the Subway Series show. Go figure. Where Where do you lie, Nick? Mets or Yankees? Mets, diehard Mets fan all my life. Nice. I like it. So we'll have to have you and Andrew Hart's arm wrestles who buys the first round of beers. Anyway, uh, for Jake Brown, uh, I'm Nelson Figueroa, uh, Mark Malusis, and all the rest of our cast of a thousand thank you guys for listening this has been amazing but true and we'll talk to you soon and as always let's go Mets